My name is Pastor Jeremy, and uh, Matt, welcome to Avenue Church. If you're brand new with us today, can we just clap and welcome you today? Matt, thanks for being here today. Thanks for checking us out. Man, we're so honored. Uh, my name is Jeremy, along with my wife. We pastor the greatest church in Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, because he has the greatest people. And so, man, we're so honored you're here. Uh, man, I just love our A-team. Man, we did that, knocked that out. Give it up for our production team as well. Uh, man, all the behind the scenes, super fun sitcom. But before we jump into sitcom, I do want to share. We got small groups coming up in this fall semester. And uh, come on, get, make some noise for small groups. I mean, no, we are really better together. We're really better together. But if you want to lead or host a small group, you can text lead or you can just go right into the connect room right after this worship experience. It's not a contract, all right? It's not like if you step foot into the room, you have to do it, you know? But I want to make sure you learn some information on how you can host or lead a small group as well as we have connect right after our worship experience. We want to connect you to your place. Man, this is a good place, but it doesn't have to be your place, but we want to help you find your place, a place to belong, but also a place where you can grow some deep roots, because how many know roots cause things to grow? And also, um, we want you to connect you to your people. We don't want you to do life alone, and uh, many of us, we kind of felt it. I don't want to do life alone again, amen? It's be- life is better with people, and then we want to connect you to your purpose. Uh, one more thing, uh, because I, I just love this church, all that God's doing. Uh, man, I don't know if you saw outside in the lobby, out in our um, Avenue Kids uh, area, out in the courtyard as well. Uh, but Avenue Kids now has a new look, a new brand. And so give it up for Avenue Kids. Brittany Fink and the Avenue Kids team as well. And so, man, this is a great look. We have different colors for the different ages, all that fun stuff. It's been pretty cool, pretty exciting. Now, how many are ready for sitcom? All right. How many were here last week? All right, last week. Super fun, great kickoff, but here we go. I want to see how well you know your TV, <laughs> you know. Somebody's here the first time with like a big Bible. What kind of church is this, you know? But we're going to go into some TV because raise your hand. And I, I got corrected by somebody this week. So raise your hand if you were born in the 1960s. 1960s, look at that, right? 19, 1970s, 1970s, all right, 1980s, 1980s, right? <laughs> Night, we're, 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 we're making it, right? 1990s, 1990s. Hey, all right, 2000s. There you at, 2000s, right? I know, and here's my correction. I got corrected this week. I gotta go, I gotta go later, because we are multi, multi-generational church. 1950s, come on, somebody. 1940s. Ah! <laughs> I love it, huh? You're the loudest, too. Come off, somebody. I love it. Here we go. Sitcom trivia. You ready? Shut the answers out because your pastor's deaf. I can't hear nothing. I wear two hearing aids. Let's go. Ready? Sitcom trivia. In what city did Full House take place? Here we go. San Francisco. All right. Very good. Very good. Next week we'll do Bible quiz. I don't know. Ready? What is the next door neighbor's Kimmy's last name? Gilbert Gibson Gabler Gibbler. I heard it. Gibbler, Kimmy. Gibbler. How many remember Kimmy? Kimmy, right? She clearly, she clearly did not honor the back door. All right. What was Stephanie Tanner's famous catchphrase? You got it, dude. How rude on my lanta, you betcha. 
I heard it. How rude. How rude. How many remember that one? How many got that one right? Got that one right. All right. Got that one right. Some of you are like, I didn't watch TV. Please lead a small group, man. We need you. All right. All right. How about this one? Ready? Ready? Complete Steve Urkel's famous phrase, did I? Yeah, did I? I love that. Did I do that? That's pretty good, huh? I say that pretty much weekly. All right, how about this one? This is getting a little harder, folks. All right. What was the dad's last name of the show, Family Matters? Hint, last name is Winslow. Carl. Say it real loud like Steve Urkel does. Carl. Carl, right, Carl. Winslow. All right. I mean, I love all these shows. I love sitcom. I love going back into the, into the 90s shows. How many want to go back into the 80s shows? All right. How many want to go back into the 70s? All right. We're going to be going back further and further as well because there's so many shows. But today, I want to focus on family. Now, I remember uh, uh, 80s, right? 80s kids, 90s kids, uh, 40s, 50s, right? Uh, I remember going on road trips, Right? How many remember road trips? How many remember, raise your hand, if it, it was cheaper to drive than to fly, so you drove everywhere, right? Like, we went to Disneyland. I live in North Dakota. In the car. We just drove the entire way. Now, we didn't have, we didn't have like, iPads, believe it or not. But right? the other day in the truck, uh, Levi, he was in the car, and he was like, this is not working. I was like, son, there's no internet with us, like. <laughs> Like, there's no, he's like, ew, you know, like, <laughs> like, it's not working the way it's supposed to. I turn my hotspot on, on my iPhone, <laughs> turn my hotspot on, and Samsung, I don't know if you guys got that. You guys have that? Okay, okay. And so, turn that, and it's super easy, too. It's like two clicks, hotspot, right? And so, I turn my hotspot, and our rule is, in the car, our rule is, you know, like, you can do technology for trips, right? A movie, iPad, or whatever, but not for commutes, all right? Like, if we're going to school, uh-uh. I don't think so. Why? I'm the parent, right? I need him to feel that a little bit, right? And so one time we were going on a commute, or a trip rather, across town. That's a trip, not a commute, you know? And uh, a commute is like 15 minutes, all right? Another commute, 45, that's a trip. Somebody, somebody tripped it here today. I want to say thank you for tripping it, for making it here today. And uh, uh, Matt, so, I mean, one time he was like, Dad, can I turn on the hotspot? Let's go. I got a show to watch. I said, son, can we talk for a minute? And my nine-year-old was like, right? They go, why do you want to talk? I said, because we're family. Because we're family. I remember going on those road trips, sitting in the back seat with my brother. And uh, this was before Game Boy, all right? This was before blowing on the Nintendo, sticking it in for Duck Hunt. And how many with Duck Hunt, you, you put the gun right to the screen, right? Like, like you didn't go far back with that wire. And, uh, but I remember sitting in the back seat with my brother without an iPhone, without an iPad, without technology, without the DVD player popping down from the ceiling of the Suburban. Like, none of those things. I remember being in the backseat of my brother, uh, and we have, I don't know what the game was called, but the game was literally called, hey, if you cross this line, how many know what I'm talking about? If you cross this line, you're on my side, right? And what happens when you go on their side, you get hit. How many play that game, right? Real healthy too, right? I have a, I still have a, you know, if I Uber, I'm like, hey, the line, Stay on the side of the, the line. It was what? It was a boundary. But I love the change that has taken place from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 2000s. 
And I love that there's many things that's changed, but one thing that hasn't changed is family. It's family. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14 real quick. Luke chapter 14. Today I'm going to teach. I'm going to be a teacher today. I might preach, all right? But I'm going to teach as well today because I really want us to walk out of this place, not with just information, but revelation. But let's get some information in us first so that the Holy Spirit can use that information for revelation. And so uh, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Get your notebooks out as well. Put your notebooks up in the air if you brought your sitcom notebook, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming out. Leaders take notes. And I believe you can get inspiration from the Holy Spirit, but the devil can take it off your mind, but not on paper. So write that down. I even saw uh, some teacher, uh, Randy, Randy, last week was taking notes and he was showing me the notes of what he's going to do later in his classroom and his students. I love that. Take notes. We don't have fill in the blanks, but I want you to take notes. So Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 33, get your Bibles out. I want to read what Jesus, what his stance was on family. This is going to be great because I love, how many of you love your family? Right? I love my family. So check this out. Jesus says, now great crowds accompanied Jesus. And he turned and he said to him, this is a great teaching moment for Jesus, right? Great crowds. Jesus turned and this is what Jesus said. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, okay, well, I mean, dad, you know, and mother, oh man, okay, well, I could... I could try to do that, right? And wife, oh no, I can't, I can't. I can't do it. And children, well, some days. Some days, this morning on the way to church, you know. And brothers, easy, right? Cross the boundary. And sisters. This is so interesting. If anyone who comes to me and does not hate his family, does not hate, if it, if no, hear me out. If you're first time, you're like, what kind of church did we just walk into? Right, what denomination is this, you know? Is this guy okay? Does not hate his father, mother, brother, sister, wife, sister, all that. Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He cannot be my disciple. So the title of my message today is Family Versus Faith. Family Versus Faith. Family Versus Faith. Because I think a big question, sometimes as Christians, we read something in the Bible and we go, that's weird. I'm just going to keep reading on. I'm sure it's there for a reason, but not for me. The big question really is, is God against families? Is God against families? Here's another Jesus-hating verse, all right? Jesus-family-hating Jesus hating verse, all right? Jesus was uh, still speaking to the people in a house. The house was full. Behold, the Virgin Mary, Mom. Mary, mother of Jesus, and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? So Jesus in the house teaching, they said, Jesus, the, the, the Virgin Mary, like your mom and your brothers, they're outside. Should we let them in? Your family's here. Jesus says, who's my family? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples. He said, here's my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. So is God, I really believe, it's, we're asking this, is God against my family? Is he against the family unit? 
Like, did, did, did Jesus sit down on Friday nights on TGIF and watch Full House step-by-step family members and go, no! <laughs> it's God against my family. Because here's what's interesting in Luke chapter 14. He says, anyone comes to me does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters. Cannot be my disciple. I've been, Pastor Lindsay will tell you, I've been chewing on these two scriptures for many, many years. Many, many years. I've seen people take this scripture out of context and use it literally. I've seen people go, nope, ostracized, just me. I've seen people use the scripture many different ways. So I decided to take a lot of study time in preparation for sitcom and begin to realize that one commentary I read and it matches and it echoes many great men and women of God that have written commentaries on this uh, even since the early 1800s, and I love this, that this word hate is what they call a semantic, hy- and say, real quick, on the count of three, say this word, one, two, three. Hyperbole. That's good, hyperbole. Now, hyperbole means an obvious exaggeration to make a point. But here's what's funny. If I, said, if I just said this, if I just said, uh, that guy, that's when he met, he didn't really mean it, well, then you would have to take me at my word. But I love this word right here, Semitic. That literally means this was a Semitic or an obvious exaggeration in the original Aramaic and the original Hebrew. So when Jesus said it, he didn't really say hate, but he was using an exaggerated version of our English language of the word hate. And so what Jesus was really saying, I love this, Jesus is not encouraging his followers to turn against family members. Some of you went nuts, right? For some of you, not to turn against your family members. Rather, he is explaining that even devotion to family does not supersede the call to discipleship. It does not supersede the call to discipleship. I love this because Jesus later on says in Mark chapter 12, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love Jesus. Love God. But then he says in the very same verse, the second is this, love your neighbor. Love God up here. Then love your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? It's everybody. Who's my neighbor? It's everybody. Like, you're technically not my neighbor. Oh, they're your your neighbor. They're your neighbor. It's everybody. And here's why Jesus was saying, man, if you don't, literally, he's not saying, if you don't hate them, you can't be my disciple. But Jesus is saying, listen to me. I understand that Jesus understands that you're going to obey whoever you love the most. And whoever you love the most is up here. It's up here. Number one in your life. Jesus wants to be first. He wants to be first. And you get to decide through your convictions and through the power of the Holy Spirit what first looks like. What first looks like. But Jesus wants to be first. I love 1 John chapter 4. We love because he first loved us. I love that Jesus said, this is the commandment. Love your Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, right? With all your strength. Love God. But listen to me, it's a commandment, but it doesn't force you to love him. But he wants you to love him because he loved you first. And then here's what's interesting. If anyone says, I love God, he's number one and hates his brother. And this is not a hyperbole. This is literal. If you hate your brother, you're a liar. 
For he who does not love his brother, sister, mom, dad, whom he has seen, cannot love God who he has not seen. And I love this, right? And this command we have from him, whoever loves God must also love your family. Must also love your family. And I love this. God is all about family, but loving Jesus helps me to love my family. Loving Jesus helps me to love my family. And can I just tell you too as well, we have our biological family, but how many know blood really isn't thicker than water? My faith is. My faith is. And here at this church, this is my church family. Mi familia. Mi casa es su casa. Come on, somebody. But I want you to understand something. Churches and families should be collaborators, not competitors. I'm not going to compete with family. And I don't think families should compete with church. I think we should be collaborators. We should be in this together. Man, if we have a big blow up in our family, we should be in church. I should be in a small group. Matt, if we have a big blowout in our family, Matt, the church should help, not condemn, not compete. They might be asking this today, how do I love Jesus in my family? How do I love Jesus in my family? How do I keep Jesus, number one, and then my family? You know, it's Jesus, and then my wife, and then my child, and then my family, then my career, then my work. What, what is those different areas. So how do I love Jesus in my family? Because many of you in this room, maybe we don't have family that are willing to collaborate with church. Maybe we have family that are unwilling to have anything to do with your faith or with Jesus. How do I still love them and love Jesus? There's a big word I'm going to throw up today. It's boundaries. It's boundaries. It's boundaries. Now, hold on for a minute, okay? Because some church people are like, oh, I don't know. I, I really feel like I'm going to take a different direction. Because great boundaries have great relationships have great boundaries. Man, if you're single in this place, right? Uh, we can literally go, are you single in this place? Raise your hand. Come on, somebody. I'm kidding. Joking. I was trying to help you out. But if you're single in this place... There we go, see? <laughs> Trying to help you all out. Because if I go, are you married? <laughs> see, got for you, newlywed. <laughs> it's all right. But here's what's interesting. If you're single, your best friendships and relationships have boundaries. Your toxic relationships and toxic friendships have no boundaries. Man, if you're dating, I promise you, the best person you date is the one that has boundaries. The, the, the toxic dating relationships, the ones that are just, it's just ugly. There's no boundaries. Like a marriage, a healthy marriage has healthy boundaries. Because I'm married, I don't do this and this and this. Man, if you're uh, in whatever season you are. If you're parenting, a great parent has boundaries for their children. Even though your children hate you because you place boundaries in them. But you have, they don't understand great relationships have great boundaries. And here's what I love about boundaries. I can go into any house. I can go to any state. 
I can look at California. I can look at Nevada. There's a boundary line. This is Nevada. This is California, all right? California is now coming over into Nevada, right? And, 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 and Nevada, we go to California to visit, but we don't want to live there. It's too expensive, so we go back into our boundary. Come on, somebody. I ain't paying for it, but I'm going to enjoy it. But here's what I love. I'm from Las Vegas. I'm a Nevadian. Did I say that right? Nevadian. I'm a Nevada. I'm a Las Vegan. A Las Vegan. But here's what I love. Boundaries define what is me and what is not me. In any dating relationship, hey, listen, listen up. Listen. This is me. That's not me. You might be dating me because you think that's me. Mm-mm. This is me. Boundaries define what is me, what is not me. I begin to realize if this statement is true, then if there's no boundaries, then there's no identity. Then I don't know who I am. And when you don't know who you are, there's no boundaries. Because we're just experimenting, trying, just kind of going over there and over here, trying to establish what is my boundary. Who am I? And I love Joshua 24. If it is evil in your eyes, serve. Uh, if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me in my house, my boundary, we're going to serve Jesus. Yeah. We're going to serve Jesus. But I love this. For many of us, when I threw up the word boundary, you went, ah, tried it. Didn't work. I really believe there's a negative connotation, at least to me, growing up in church and healing and navigating. I really believe many of us, we think boundaries are selfish, but they're not. Boundaries are not selfish. They're not disobedient or mean. They're healthy. They're healthy. Something, you might need to write this down into, in your sitcom notebooks. You may have to even kind of retrain yourself. That maybe there's a time in your life you set a boundary because you had to, you needed to. Man, maybe you just gave your life to Jesus. Man, maybe you're just starting out and, and I, I, you know, like, like there's my family, but this is what I want to do. And, and I got to figure out I have my values and, and my set of things. But someone maybe spoke ill and said you're being selfish because you have that boundary. Or maybe someone in your life said, man, you're just disobedient or you're being mean. How could you do that? I want you to know boundaries are healthy. You know, growing up, it's Levi's had a great football team, and we're talking with some parents this week about uh, curfew. I remember curfew, right? And kids now, their phones give them alarms, alarms everywhere, or we call them, or whatnot. And, and we have a great uh, 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 sermon we're going to do on technology here in sitcom. Parents, we're going to help you out, all right? And that's going to be a great day. But man, we used to say our, 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 our curfew wasn't a phone call because we didn't have those back then, all right? We couldn't take AOL with us, you know? And like, 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 like our curfew was the streetlights, right? When the streetlights became home, you better be home or your mama whoop you. But many of us, we have physical boundaries. Don't go over there. Don't do that. Stay out of the guy's house. But do we have spiritual boundaries? We have spiritual boundaries. Some of you in this room, you had spiritual rules growing up. Right? If you do that, you're going to hell. And you're like, oh no, I'm going to hell. Like you look out the window every single time, you thought you were left behind. Like the rapture took place. 
And then you call the most, uh, most saved person you know. Grandma, grandma, you did, uh, grandma picked up. Grandma's still here. Some of you will get that later. And if you don't get it, I love you. But 1 Peter chapter 5 says, be alert and sober mind. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know the family of believers, us, me familia, family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. You know what I love about small groups? A lot of times in small groups, we go, hey, you guys have been married for quite a while. You have kids. Your kids are grown. I'm looking at Steve and Jackie, right? Your kids are grown. What boundaries did you have for them? Because I have no idea. I have no clue. But you have boundaries? You boundaries helps me to stand firm in my faith. The boundaries give me a plan. You know, I love our <laughs> Mountain's Edge home. And many of you know our, our story of our house. We purchased the house before we even knew what the church was by faith. And uh, in our backyard, I mean, it's literally the size of this stage, right? This is our backyard right here. This is my backyard. We're like, you want to go play? Okay, done. You know, like our backyard is so small. And, uh, uh, and our wall was small too. And before our backyard didn't have anything, no, no, no pavers, no turf, no grass. It was just Vegas dirt, right? Glamorous Vegas dirt. I don't know why we were like looking at a house and going, this dirt is nice. Let's buy the dirt, you know? And... And so we bought the, bought the house, and then what we did is we put dry chat in, turf in, pavers in, did all these things, and, and our, we had a slab of concrete that came in the house, and the dirt was here, so we filled it all in, then we put pavers in and turf in, and so now it's all level. And I tell you all that because our brick wall on the back end of our property, the boundary line between our house and our neighbor's house, it all of a sudden got shorter because our ground got higher. Right? And so now it was literally like, how many know Mr. Wilson from Home Improvement? I showed his picture last week. This was my Mr. Wilson, all right? I mean, it was like, what's up, dude? How you doing? Shake hands, you know? Our wall was so short. Now, I love our neighbors. Our neighbors are wonderful people. Wonderful people. They do some things in the privacy of their backyard that are recreational and, you know, different things like that. And I love our neighbors. They're great. They're wonderful. And uh, I mean, they say things and do things that my kid can hear and stuff like that. And, and so many times we'll play in the backyard. I go, well, let's go inside, you know. He's like, no, I don't want to go inside. Go inside, right? And uh, just because I want to be a good dad. Well, a couple uh, months ago, we uh, got approval and we actually raised our brick wall. But before we did, I went to our neighbor, neighbor, hi, how are you? They're like, yeah, what's up, you know? And uh, I said, would you mind us raising the brick wall? Because literally balls will go over and their dogs will eat it or basketball or, you know. So can we raise the wall? See what I did there? That's wisdom, all right? Can we raise the wall and we'll pay for it? They said, of course you can raise the wall. Of course. First they looked at me and I said, we pay for it. They said, go for it, brother. So we raised the wall by two or three bricks, right? Now it makes a total difference in the world. We love it. Man, it's, it's total separation. It's healthy. I still love my neighbors. One time a ball went over. What we, had, what we did is we went around the house. We opened the gate. We all went all the way around, knocked on their door, and said, hey, neighbor. They said, hey, how are you? Can we get a ball? They said, we'll throw it over. And then we went back out into our gate, shut the gate. I have a lock on the gate. We locked our gate, and then we continued into what we were doing. Here's why I tell you that long old illustration. Because for many of us, when we don't have a boundary, we get hurt. 
Or we get frustrated. I could have been the guy that said, hey, be quiet back there. What's your deal? This is my property, my house. There's so many things I could have done. I'm poking the bear at somebody today, right? The problem is, if we don't have any spiritual boundaries, if someone crosses those lines, we put up walls of offense. And I want you to really understand, boundaries are gates, not walls. Because for so many of us, we go, ah, I need, I, need, I need boundaries. I heard Pastor Jimmy's message. I need a boundary. The problem is we'll put up walls that isolate ourselves from the outside world. We'll isolate ourselves from those that are maybe aren't equally yoked with us. We'll isolate ourselves and say, can't do it. But what I love about a gate is a gate has the freedom to open and to close. A gate has the freedom to say, you can come in for a little bit but you're going to leave eventually. A gate has the opportunity to keep shut, put a lock on it, and say, you cannot come in. I love you, but you cannot be here. I'll go out there somewhere and hang out with you, but you cannot come past this boundary. How many hear me today? How many hear me today? Boundaries are gates, but they're not walls. But here's the problem in our culture, in our society, and this is where I want to pastor you for a little bit, but you got to hear my heart. You got to hear my heart. I say this with all love. We don't condemn. We're not better than anybody, but we have boundaries. Boundaries define what is me and what is not me. And I want you to understand, many times we would rather please than to protect. We would rather please than rather to protect. Because this can be hard for some of us. If we have people on the outside that are greater influence in our life. If Jesus isn't number one, if we don't love Jesus more than, I want you to really understand that I would rather please than to protect. See, I love you enough to set boundaries so I don't resent you and put up walls. I've seen this time and time again. We give our lives right. Problem is, they didn't get their lives right. You got your life right. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But then we have a hard time navigating. Maybe we got peer pressure. Maybe it's hard to navigate. But when you have boundaries set in place, you have a plan set in place. When you have a plan set in place, you're clearly defining boundaries before the offense takes place. Because instead of being offended, you say, hey, I got a boundary. I got a boundary. I got a boundary. You know, there's family members, and I have kids or children. I'm trying to raise them up with the Lord and doing the best I can. I'm not perfect. I screw up. I get angry. I mess up. But if I have family members that, that tend to maybe drink a little or drink a little too much, certain a past point, we'll go to the party, but my boundary is we're going to leave the party at a certain time because I would rather protect than to please. I'd rather protect than the police. Man, if I got a family member that's, man, the moment I'll hang out with them and I'll bring my kids in, but the moment a particular topic gets brought up, that's when we're going to leave. That's when we're going to leave. You know, in our uh, first year of marriage, we, we got a rental home together, Pastor Lindsay and I, 
And I remember we went on Craigslist because we wanted a deal on a sectional. How many, how many know what I'm talking about, right? Like, there's Walker Furniture and RC Willie. Not Craigslist, you know? Like, I ain't paying full price. And so we go on Craigslist and, and we find a, uh, a, a sectional for sale in, uh, in Henderson and a nice part. And so we're like, babe, let's go. All right, let's go. She's like, yes, yeah, let's check it out. It's super cheap. And so we get in the car on the way there. This must have been the Holy Spirit, literally. And uh, on the way there, I was like, you know what? I, I have a problem with this. Like, even if I don't know you, I'm, I'm going to please you because I got issues. Okay. Not anymore. I'm kidding. I still do. I still do. I still do. Like, 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 man, like I, I took the ad. I'm here. It would be so wrong for me not to buy it and leave because you, you took time out of your day and blah, blah, blah. Some of you look at me like, that's not me. Join the A-team. Join the A-team. But Pastor Lindsay and I, we're like, okay, we need a key word. We need a exit word. We need an exit word because I love those strangers enough to set boundaries, so I don't resent them, and say, I got this dumb couch. I had to buy it. No, you didn't. So we go to the apartment. We don't even know these people. And uh, we're like, hi, how are you? And I'm looking at the section. I'm like, this is pretty nice, actually. Like, we scored a deal. Pastor Lindsay's talking with them. And I'm looking around. How many know if it's pressed up against the wall, your boy's pulling it apart. You know what I mean? Like, I'm destroying their apartment. And I look around. I'm like, this is a great-looking couch. And all of a sudden, I look at the side of the couch, and there's a wall. And I see a cat. A cat, sir. There. I don't know why they're here, but, you know, they're, they're wonderful. And so I was like, oh, a cat. And so what I did is I pulled the couch more, and I could see on the side, there's all these, I mean, the couch is shredded from the, from the demonic cat, you know, like, just shredded, all of that. And if you love cats, I think we have a small group coming up this fall. And so it was just shredded, and I looked at it, and Pastor Lindsay and I had a key word in the car before we went to the apartment, and that was Pirate. Pirate. Because folks, listen to me. It can't be just any word because you might accidentally say the word. So I'm looking at that thing and I was like, babe. <laughs> she was like almost handing the money, you know. I was like, babe, we forgot to go home and feed pirate. <laughs> and she was like, like we don't have an animal, all right? She's like, we gotta go home and feed pirate. <laughs> and we literally, she was like, pirate. <laughs> And we were like, thank you so much. We got to go feed pirate. Keep the couch. <laughs> we're messed up. We had fun. <laughs> you know what that boundary did for us, that code word? Now we can't use pirate. No. <laughs> right? We had a code word. Babe, that word's pretty old. Hyperbole. <laughs> I love this. Jesus, he went to a party. Levi, not Levi Boswell, but Levi, the disciple, he had a great party, a great banquet for Jesus at Levi's house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. I love this. I love Luke was like, yo, these aren't good people, but they're there. But the Pharisees and the teachers of law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why didn't you have a boundary? Weren't you the Messiah? Why are you hanging out with them? And although Jesus said, 
It's not the healthy who need a doctor. Can I get an amen? But it's the sick. It's us. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And here's what I love about this. Look throughout the Gospels. Jesus had boundaries. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus had boundaries. Jesus ate with them, but he didn't live with them. It was a boundary. I even take a step further. Jesus ate with them, and he hung out with them, but he always controlled the conversation. He always controlled the conversation. It was a boundary. But here's what I really need me to hear out. This is my prayer. My prayer is, if you're in this room today, maybe someone brought you, and you're not a Christ follower. This is a safe place. Trust me. Right? If you don't believe in Jesus, all those things. And we would love to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus. But I don't want you to sit in this room and go, man, this whole sermon's like about me. How to attack me, isolate me, ostracize me. But I want you to understand that's the wrong way of thinking because that's not a boundary. If you know what boundary is, a boundary is not setting limits on others. It's just limiting your exposure to them. It's not hating them. It's not going, what's your deal? It's just limiting. I can still love that individual. Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing this, and you can discern what the will of God is. That is good and acceptable and perfect. We don't conform. Conform means mimic or act like. I have boundaries. Not just physical boundaries, but I now have spiritual boundaries. I want you to know, boundaries are not you versus me. We don't walk out of this room today and go, finally, I could totally, no, that's not what boundaries are. Boundaries is not you versus anyone. It is not family versus faith. It is faith within my family. It is you, it is you, it is me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord, okay? But I'm still going to love you. But I love this here. It's not me hating you. This here is me loving Jesus. This is me loving Jesus. I'm on a spiritual journey. I'm going to screw up. I'm going to make mistakes. I want you to understand, I'm not setting boundaries for you because I'm not responsible for you. I'm setting boundaries for me because I'm responsible to me. Responsible to me. I want you to know this is okay. But here's the problem sometimes. Sometimes when we start going, all right, I got boundaries. Man, I got some spiritual boundaries. Can I tell you, I, there's some people in my life, I'm like, yo, don't put me in a box like that. You're not the boss of me. When they clearly define their boundaries. But I love this in Matthew chapter 7. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Look at you. You don't have any boundaries. Look at you. You don't love God as much as I love God. But it's been paying no attention to a plank in your own eye. I love this right here. I love this. Plank attention to the plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye. Then you'll see clearly. And you with this right here, you could, we could try all we want, right? But the Holy Spirit is the one that says, there's the blank. There's the blank. Let's pull it out. And when you pull it out, you can see clearly. I love that boundaries helps me to see clearly. Because when I set boundaries, I now know who I am. I know where I begin 
And I know where you begin. Get boundaries. It's healthy. It's healthy. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in the upcoming weeks. But I want you to understand, boundaries is not for them. It's for you and your house. As for me and my house, I've heard it many times ago where people say, Pastor, it takes a village to raise a child. How many heard that statement before, right? Can I tell you I disagree with that biblically? It doesn't take a village to raise a child. It takes a village to watch a child. Amen. It takes a village to, to, to love a child. It's great. But it takes a village to create a confused child. Because the village might not have the same values as you and your house. My neighborhood does not have the same values as my house. And so it takes a village to love my child. But it takes a family to raise a child. It takes a family to raise a child. This is, this is what we need. Something to realize, nothing clarifies boundaries more than forgiveness. For many of us, we're going, finally, I can put a boundary and I can get rid of that person. I can put a boundary, say, forget you. I love Jesus more. But it's so interesting that Jesus says, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. But the second one is, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. And by setting boundaries, that's showing love. By reducing boundaries, that's not loving somebody. But I love this. Nothing clarifies boundaries more than forgiveness. More than forgiveness. Because this is what I believe is going to change someone's life today. Is that forgiveness creates a healthy boundary. Unforgiveness moves them in. And here's the problem with unforgiveness. A lot of times with unforgiveness, we think we're putting a wall up. And we're going, no, you hurt me. I'm putting a wall up. But the problem is with unforgiveness, unforgiveness doesn't keep them on this side of the gate. It keeps them on this side of the wall. That's what unforgiveness does. And you're saying, man, I haven't seen that person in so many years. But they're still very much alive in their heart and in your mind. You know, Kabul, you know, that was our rental home we were first in, and then we purchased our first gorgeous home. And I believe a couple months into that, we went to church and on Wednesday night, and I preached and all that. And we, when we came home, Pastor Lizzie got home first with, with Levi, who was a baby, opened the garage door. And when she opened the, 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 um, the garage door into the house, it hit a closet door that was open, and we never had that open. So immediately she knew something broke in. So she went out, called the, called the cops, 911, called me. I got there right away. We're going, what do we do? And the police said, don't go inside your house. Well, how many know? I went inside the house. I, I was like, I'm going to put, my Bible says, lay hands on the sick. And they're pretty sick for breaking in. I'm going to. So I looked at the kitchen, all that. First thing I look at is the TV. I'm such a dude. I'm like, oh no. Oh, okay, it's still here. Thank you, Jesus. You know. 
they broke our back patio door with the, with the umbrella we had and got in and, and the investigators believed that when Pastor Lindsay opened the garage door, they heard it and they ran out, jumped out the back wall. Can I tell you, we had to take the door down, we had to put plywood up, we had to secure our premise. And can I tell you that night, we didn't sleep. And we just laid there, it was like, someone broke through our boundary. Someone took my comfort away. Someone hurt us. You know what's interesting? We had to forgive someone we never even met. We had to forgive whoever the investigators thought it was, all that. They did, they did fingerprints, all that stuff. Didn't find anything. But it wasn't until we have forgiveness we begin to live again. Sleep in peace. Here's what I want to ask you real quick this day. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? Because many times when, they, when the boundary is broken, man, sometimes we just crumble, fall. Sometimes we go, it didn't work. What am I doing wrong? But I believe the first step today is who do we need to forgive? Many of you are thinking of somebody. And last month we did a whole forgiveness message. But who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive that say they crossed the line? They hurt me. I resent them. I hate them. I can't love them. This is your first step. It's forgiving them. You might have to write that down in your notebook, the name. You might have to say, I need to forgive, and you could just leave a blank for privacy. I want you to, every day, I forgive so-and-so. I forgive so-and-so. And I want you to create some spiritual boundaries. Because as for me, in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to start. And maybe your house is utter chaos and there's no boundaries. Today's a good place to start. Today's a good day to start. It's a good day to start. With every head bowed, have eye closed? I just feel strongly about this. And maybe when someone crossed that line, maybe you didn't have any boundaries and they hurt you. Obviously, it's case by case, but the Holy Spirit knows. But I really believe if you're in this room today, probably the greatest person you need to forgive is yourself. Because you're probably going, why was I not ready? Why did I let it happen? Why didn't I have a boundary? I'm better than that. I should have seen it coming. I believe the Holy Spirit, he, he got you here today so that you can forgive yourself. Because Jesus forgives you. But he died on the cross to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But so that we can forgive, accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, accept Jesus' forgiveness so that we can be healed today. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in this message, in this series. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus for those that are here today. 
we need to forgive. Forgive that person, that individual. Man, even that organization. But maybe you're here today and you need to forgive yourself. The Holy Spirit, I pray that we receive God's forgiveness today so we can forgive ourselves. We begin to receive how much Jesus loves us like I love myself again. And when I love myself again, I can set some healthy boundaries. Father, I thank you today that you're all about family. I thank you today that you want us to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. I want to thank you today that when we set boundaries, we're actually witnessing to our families. The Holy Spirit, I pray today, help me to forgive. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you're here today. And you're saying, Pastor, will you help me to take a step into accepting Jesus as my Lord and my Savior? So I can receive his love and receive his forgiveness. So I can forgive myself and I can forgive others. Man, if that's you here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, and say, Pastor, will you pray that prayer with me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. But just put a hand up put it right back down. That's you. Just put a hand up and put it right back down. Yes. Anyone else? Up and right back down. Yes. Anyone else? That's all I'm going to do. Up and right back down. I'm so excited what God is doing. So I want every single person to pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, say thank you for paying for what I did. Say thank you for dying on the cross. Say, repent of my sins. Say, be Lord of my life. Say, the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. Say, I now know who I am. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God.